Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. So, Steve, tonight we've got our very first sports mystery. This one goes back to 1920 and the very first NFL championship. Ooh, okay. And would you like to wager a guess as to who the first national football championship team was? Well, the Hall of Fame is in Canton. I'm going to say the Canton Bulldogs. Oh, that's a really good guess. You know, there's good reason that the NFL Hall is in Canton because that's the city where the NFL was founded. But it wasn't the Bulldogs. It was a team out of Akron. Oh, I didn't yeah. even know they had a team. They did. The Akron Pros. They were the very first NFL champs. And, you know, I guess in general, it shouldn't be too wild of a surprise. Northeast Ohio was the birthplace of modern football. Most of the teams were here. And while by 1920 they were playing the sport from Chicago to New York, Northeast Ohio was the center of the football universe. Now, the Akron Pros, they were a very short-lived franchise, but they are going to give the NFL some of its most significant first ever. Ooh, I can't wait for this. Yeah. So let me tell you about the team, some of its fascinating history, and then I'm going to reveal what the mystery is. So the Akron Pros existed from 1908 to 1926. They were existed under a variety of names, beginning with the name the Akron Indians. Their team colors were blue and white, and their home field was a place called League Park, which was at the southeast corner of Carroll and Beaver Streets. That's University of Akron territory, less than a mile from Infocision Stadium. So the Akron Indians are plugging away in these early years, doing really well, even winning a couple of Ohio League championships. That's as far as a team could go back then since the NFL hasn't been formed yet. And a guy named Peggy Parrott is going to make a bold move. Peggy was an early football star for the Maslin Tigers. I know you know that name. Oh, yeah. Now, that's not the high school team. That was the actual semi-pro team. He's in the NFL's record books for being the first person to throw a legal forward pass. So in 1912, he decided he's going to make Akron his playground. Akron was a bigger market than Maslin with the potential for more money. So he took over the Akron Indians. He became its owner, manager, 
coach, and player, and he promptly renamed them Peratz Indians. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But Peggy, yikes, his first year did not end as planned. The season was going really well. Akron was beating everyone left and right. But then in epic David and Goliath fashion, with Akron being Goliath, the team is handed their butts by the Illyria Athletics, a team that had no business winning, but went on to take the Ohio Championship away from Akron anyway. Well, Peggy is going to have none of that. He opens his wallet, waves some cash, and lures all of those upstarts on the Illyria team over to Akron. <laughs> and 1913 plays out exactly the way he wanted. Akron makes it to the championship game that year, but their opponent, the Shelby Blues, they want that game at all costs. Now, back then, team rosters changed weekly. Owners, they could hire whoever they wanted on any day they wanted for any game they wanted, and the Shelby Blues wanted that championship bad enough that they put together a payroll of $700, an unheard of sum for a fledgling sport without even a national association. That's a lot of money back then. It was, and they spent every dime of it hiring a star lineup for that single final game. So these aren't the same players who got him to this point. Now he's bringing in... For Shelby, no. These are He's recruiting from East Coast colleges. He's like, come in. I'm going to give you a bunch of money. You just got to play one game and give me the, the championship. Wow. Yeah. So it, it seemed Akron was in for it. And then Mother Nature chose sides. The day of the championship, a snowstorm hit. And it delayed the game for a week. And that was just enough time that Peggy Parad could go out find more money, nab even bigger talent than Shelby had, and when the game day arrived, Peratz Indians wiped the field with them. <laughs> it was a 20 to nothing game that brought the Ohio title back to Akron. Go Akron. So in 1914, Akron had another star lineup. You might have heard of one of them, Newt Rockney. Oh, okay. Yeah, he went on to be the legendary coach at Notre Dame. As a matter of fact, by late season... Akron was pretty much second home for Notre Dame alumni. And Akron dominated the season until November 15, 1914, when tragedy struck, forever linking Akron to an unfortunate distinction. The Indians were playing the Canton pros when Canton's captain, Harry Turner, hurt himself making a tackle on Akron's Joe Collins. Turner's back was fractured and his spinal cord completely severed. Canton went on to win that game six to nothing as Turner was taken to the hospital. Now, Harry Turner and Peggy Parad, they had a long-standing rivalry that dated back to when Peggy was playing for the Maslin Tigers. Probably no two teams hated each other more in NFL history than Canton and Maslin. Turner's injury would prove to be fatal, but according to Canton manager Jack Cusack, who was at Turner's bedside when he died, Turner told him, I know I must go, but I'm satisfied, for we beat Peggy Peratt. That shows you how much that mean to him. It did. Well, Turner's death marked the first time someone died from playing professional football in Ohio. A few days later, Akron easily beat Canton in a rematch and won its fourth Ohio championship. 
but it is hard to stay on top when team rosters can change weekly depending on how much money team owners want to throw around. And in 1915, the Maslin Tigers and the Canton Bulldogs took a page out of Peggy Pratt's book. They went lured away all of Akron's stars. So Akron was left with mostly Sandlot players, and after an abysmal season, Peggy Perrott left them, went and formed a new team, the Cleveland Tigers. While Akron survived, in 1916, a local brewer, the Burkhart Brewing Company, they took over the team and renamed them the Akron Burkharts. They had some average seasons, but they did something that put Akron in the history books for yet another first. They hired Fritz Pollard from Chicago, and he became professional football's first black player. Oh, and this is 1916. Yeah, I mean, this is more than 25 years before Jackie Robinson will break the baseball's color barrier. Well, Fritz Pollard, uh, he had led Brown University to the Rose Bowl several years earlier, and when he arrived in Akron, he was met with considerable fanfare. Still, the team was bleeding money, so Burkhart Brewing sold the team to a couple of businessmen, Art Rainey and Frank Nide. And those men did two things. They changed the name of the team to the Akron Pros, and they made Fritz Pollard professional football's first black coach. Nice. Now, up until now, football didn't have a national association. Yeah, this is not the NFL before. Right. Now we're going to get the NFL. It's September 17, 1920, and the team owners organized what became the National Football League. It was called something else two years later. They started calling themselves the National Football League. And the legendary Jim Thorpe of the Canton Bulldogs became its first president. And they set the rules for the first ever NFL championship, which would be determined that year. So I'm sure these rules probably uh, said, hey, you can't go out and change players, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, no. I I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. But they are definitely not the rules by which we play by now. Right. As you were going to find out. So the new Akron pros, they had no equal in 1920. And they set a record that stands to this day. Get this. They played 11 games, 10 of which their opponents failed to score at all. The only time they were scored against was a 7-7 tie. And those seven points that they gave away were the fewest points allowed by a team in a single season in NFL history, even to this day. So this is recognized by the NFL? Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. And during the season... Akron gave the NFL another first. In a late-season game with the Buffalo All-Americans, the Akron pros sold one of their players, Bob Nash, to Buffalo for $300 and 5% of the gate. That was the first known player deal between two NFL clubs. Now, I told you only one team scored against Akron all year, but... Akron actually ended the season with three ties. That was a record of 8-0-3. and three. And that's because their final two games of the season, the score was 0-0. Zero to zero. Oh, their, their yeah. offense wasn't as good as their defense, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this strange circumstance was going to cause a fight because those two scoreless ties were with Buffalo and the Decatur Staley's. Uh, Decatur, that's Indiana? Right, right. Oh, Decatur okay. Staley's out of Indiana. Now, Akron, they figured it deserved the first NFL championship title. There was no playoff game. The rules simply called 
for the title to go to the team with the best record. And Akron had the best record. Buffalo and Decatur had both lost a game that season. Still, Buffalo and Decatur objected, saying Akron had not defeated them, and they tried making a case for a co-championship. Well, this is, is caused a problem. The NFL decides to put off deciding who would be given their first national title until the owners met on April 30th, 1921. And when they did, the owners voted to give the title to Akron. That's right. Okay? Rightfully. So the Akron pros were presented with the Brunswick Balky Colander Cup. That mouthful of a name belonged to the sporting goods company that donated a silver loving cup. You know, one of those cups with the handles on both sides. Oh, okay. And it would be inscribed with the name of each year's victor and passed to the following year's champs. Alas, it was all downhill for Akron after that. They finished third the next year, 10th the year after that, and they surrendered their franchise in 1927. Now, worth noting... There were 14 teams that played in the 1920 inaugural season of the NFL, and two of them survived to this day. The Chicago Cardinals are today's Arizona Cardinals, and the Decatur Staley's, the team that argued for a co-championship with Akron after holding the pros to a scoreless tie, two years after that 1920 season, they renamed themselves the Chicago Bears. All right, the Bears, my second favorite team. <laughs> the Bears. So, where's the mystery? Okay, so this might seem extraordinary. But one year after the Akron Pros won the national championship, everyone promptly forgot. We got a case of amnesia here, Steve. Oh, we, we're used to that. <laughs> we are. Must but... be the police involved with this. No, no kidding. <laughs> they lost the trophy, forgot they even had a trophy. The NFL even failed to record Akron's name in the record books. For some 50 years, the NFL record books talked about the 1920 championship as being in dispute, even though newspapers of the era wrote about their decision to give the title to Akron. And that trophy, as I said, it disappeared. Not slowly. But immediately, the very next year, Buffalo and Decatur were involved in another controversy over which one of them deserved to be the champs after the NFL's second season. But here's the thing. Neither of them even inquired about the brunswick Balky Colander Cup. The teams commissioned their own trophy to be made. So nobody knows what happened to it. Now, for a physical item, you would think to be of great value to a brand new sporting association. I mean, we're talking its very first championship trophy. It vanished from the face of the earth with apparently no interest in its fate. There isn't even a photo of it. So you can't even find a photo of this. Nobody knows what it looks like. At least the NFL solved the mystery of who their first champs were for 50 years You know, they recorded that season as being in dispute until the 1970s when they did a record search, cleared up the question, and restored the Akron pros to their rightful place in history as the very first NFL champs. Akron shouldn't take it personally. The NFL had a real problem with trophies. They didn't even give out another official NFL trophy until 1934. It was called the Ed Thorpe Memorial Trophy, named after a beloved referee who died that year. And it was also a traveling trophy, passed from champion to champion, with each winning team's name inscribed on it. 
But again, the trophy disappeared. Yeah. The last time anyone saw that one, it had been awarded to the Minnesota Vikings in 1969. The NFL apparently finally learned from its mistakes. Since 1970, it has given out the Vince Lombardi Trophy, and it does not travel. Each championship team gets to keep and be responsible for its own. So, look, folks, if you live in Northeast Ohio, check your attics, your basements. If you love going to garage sales, check those boxes. If you pick up uh, any silver cups that say Brunswick Bulky Colander Cup or the Akron Pros on it, well, maybe give the Pro Football Hall of Fame a call. You might have just found the NFL's holy grail. (laughs) Right. So, you know, if you do come across one of those cups and it's like really dirty, has a lot of discolor to it, just keep it and check it anyway, even if it's, you know, your old grandpa's beer cup that he was drinking out of it with both hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially if it has the handles on, on the both side, sides. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah that, that could very well be it. Absolutely. All right, well, that's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and may all of your mysteries have happy endings. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.